Welcome to the Michigan Opportunity, an economic development podcast featuring candid conversations with business leaders across Michigan. You'll hear firsthand accounts from Michigan business leaders and innovators about how the state is driving job growth and business investment, supporting a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem, building vibrant communities, and helping to attract and retain one of the most diverse and significant workforces in the nation. Hello, I'm your host, Ed Clementi, and welcome to the show. Today, we're very fortunate to have our guest, Brandy Cook-Brown. She's the executive director for 100K Ideas. Welcome to the show, Brandy. Nice to have you. Thanks for having me, Ed. I'm super excited to be here. I can tell you are, because <laughs> you have a good voice. Um, the I just want to, you know, 100K Ideas doesn't mean much to most folks. What do you tell people, like, say you're on the other side of the state, you're in Grand Rapids or down Detroit, what do you tell people what it is? Yeah. So I start with a very basic statement because I could go on and on. But um, I usually start with, you know, we're an organization designed to help people with ideas move them forward. And I think that is the simplest way to explain it. Um, And as you know, you have that conversation, you talk, you know, everyone has had an idea for a business, a service, a product, something, you know, whether they've done something with it or not. That's a different conversation, but everybody has had something in their head. Um, And we were created out of that, you know, out of that fact that, you know, people have these ideas. They don't know how to get started. They don't know where to go. We can be a place for people to do that. Um, And we do it in a way that's low risk. um, It's confidential. It's a safe place where people can share their ideas. um, And our focus is really on just ensuring people feel supported throughout the process. And even if it's something they don't move forward with, they have their answers and they're ready to continue innovating and creating. So. Yeah. I'm, in fact, a little bit further on, I'm going to have you break that down more specifically yeah. what that means. But um, like who were sort of the originators of this sort of idea? Can you explain? Because I know there's one or two people, I believe. Yep. Yep. So we have two of our founders, um, Phil Hagerman and David Olala. So um, David had actually created a version of this program in partnership with Northern Michigan University um, called Invent at NMU that still exists today. And um, the governor at the time, which I believe was Snyder, um, had met, seen the space and was like, oh, my gosh, we got to get this, you know, in the lower peninsula <laughs> um, as well. So he actually made the connection Um from my understanding, made the connection between David and Phil um, to me. And Phil Hagerman um, has a background. He um, was, you know, over diplomat pharmacy for a number of years and was moving into the venture capital space with the creation of Skypoint Ventures um, and had just bought some property in Flint, um, downtown Flint, a couple of buildings. So right at right as Flint was kind of making that wave <laughs> to where it is now, um, he was one of those at the forefront of that. And so him and David met, um, they, you know, kind of basically really, you know, gelled in the beginning and focused on, you know, let's create this space um, where people can come and create and, you know, be small business owners as the Ferrisville building in which we're located, but also let's bring this program for innovators that need help. Um, And so the two of them, you know, kind of came up with this idea for 100K Ideas and the name itself derives from the fact that are roughly 100,000 people live in Flint. So if, you know, each one of them can come to us, share their ideas. We can help them move it forward. Um, we'd be making some real economic change in the city. And uh, they they do this. Do they 
come into the office or are they living somewhere else or do they live in, I don't even know, you know, like, I don't even know how the setup is there. You, what was the name of the building again? You yep, said the Ferrisville building. So um, we are right downtown Flint. It's right on Saginaw street. Um, it's a co-working space itself, but we, along with two other um, companies, Flint prints, which is a printing all service company um, and Foster's coffee, which is a coffee shop um, are located right on the first floor along with us. And so we anchor that building. So when people come in, they're just trying to see, Hey, what does this place do and learn, you know, what it can offer. We're right there with them. Um, and they can come in, you know, some people decide to share with us right on the spot <laughs> and we're like, oh, great, let's set up an appointment <laughs> to learn more. Um, some people are like, hey, I got something. I'll call you. Yeah, I'll call you later, you know, because they're a little bit more secretive, which is fine. Um, but yeah, people meet us from where they are. And then obviously um, with the onset of COVID, um, we switched to a more virtual opportunity um, that has actually been very beneficial to us. People have been able to fit this into their daily lives in ways they hadn't before because they don't have to physically come somewhere. So they can, you know, schedule a virtual meeting, we'll do it over Google Hangouts, talk with them and get to know what their ideas about and provide those full services in that same capacity. Well, your background, you you originally, you're not a, I don't know what people from Flint call themselves, Flint, Flintsters. I don't know what you guys call Flintstones themselves. Flintstones. Flintstones. Yeah. Well, I remember from MSU when they all played. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's my uh, <laughs> Yeah. Right. Well, cause you actually grew up in Lansing. I don't know what school you went to. Yep. I went high to, school. Yep. I went to Sexton High School on the West side. So I'm, I'm a proud Sexton High School graduate. Um, Yeah. And then you, but from there you went to U of M Ann Arbor, right? Yep. And now you're going to U of M Flint, correct? Yes. Because it's not enough to graduate years ago. You decide to go back and. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you get more money too. You, you know, there's, it. <laughs> there's something, there's something to that. Yeah. So um, I joke about being from Lansing and, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, why didn't you go to MSU? I'm like, cause I'm from Lansing, you know, my <laughs> down the street. Um, but no, I went to U of M in Arbor and had an amazing time. Um, I learned so much um, and that really prepared me for that next level. And so between, you know, graduating college and, you know, getting to where I am now, you know, I worked in different um, fields. I was actually an AmeriCorps member initially uh, working at. Why don't you tell people what AmeriCorps is? Cause oh, I, yeah. mean, I know what it is, but I think it's a fascinating it is. It's. I recommend it to, to so many recent college grads who aren't sure what to do. So it's a service program. So you do get paid um, and you, you know, you get an education stipend, which is probably the most <laughs> appealing part of that program right now that you can use for loans or, you know, your future education. But it allows you to work in nonprofit organizations or, you know, municipalities and spaces that really just serve people. That's really the biggest thing is getting people um, and a space to serve others. And so the program I joined was actually the Mission College Advising Corps out of U of M. At the time they had started, they were within their second year. And Sexton was actually added as a location at that same time. And the stars aligned and it worked out. So I got to go back home, work for my high school for two years in that capacity as an advisor for the students to really help them through that college process. Um, seeing as I went through it and was the same as them, you know, I didn't have parents I was first generation. They didn't go to college. Um, I didn't know anything about that process. I didn't know anything about financial aid, learned it all on the fly. And, you know, I was able to provide that knowledge and my experience as well as what we were learning in this job and, you know, help these students get get to that next you know level in their lives. And it became, you know, well, yes, it's about college and getting them, you know, a credential. It also is just about making sure they have a plan. You know, they don't feel too lost. And so I enjoyed that. That's where my start of nonprofit work really came from. And then after that, I, you know, transitioned to corporate America for, you know, a couple years working for a consulting firm. And 
that is where I feel like I honed in on most of my soft skills. I really understood customer service. I really got a handle on how you run businesses and how, you know, you treat people and how clients should go and, you know, just how to do business in general. Um, so I always love to reference that opportunity. And then I happened to stumble across an event where the Ferris wheel building was hosting a networking event. And that's where I met David. And next thing you know, you know, I was, I was on my way to Flint. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, just so you know, I have, I had a similar experience because my folks were basically immigrants, but uh, so they really didn't even go to high school. So it was kind of a challenge for me to kind of get on that path as well. But I, I know how hard of a struggle that is, especially, you know, and that's the great, that's why I wanted you to kind of walk through that experience because I know 100K ideas is important, but I think also the foundation you had to get this job is as important too, right? Yeah, because so much of that work, like, I mean, I was coming in as the first college advisor in this building and it was me and another um you know, current recent college grad being placed in Lansing School. So we were the first two to kind of introduce what this position is, why we're here. So a lot of our work was going out into the community and talking to parents and talking to people and saying, hey, no, we're here. If you have kids there, you know, let us know, because that's some of the work, you know, yeah, you're there and the students kind of get to know you, but there's some buy-in that comes when the parents know you exist and you can, you can help out and to get them to come to your events and learn about, you know, all of the topics related to college access that they just may not know. And so that's really where, you know, I think I've, again, holding on that skill set of just community service to others and how I'm able to kind of, you know, build that passion and also know how to run <laughs> an organization. And it just kind of all came full circle um, when I joined 100K. Yeah. I wish I would have had that when I was in high school. <laughs> I said the I, same thing. <laughs> I said the same thing. Uh, it was such a cool program. And actually funny story. Um, I recently did a TEDx Detroit talk in November and one of my former students was there. And so it was oh. so funny because I was checking in and, um, and, you know, person checking me is like, Oh yeah, like one of your students is here. And I was like, what are you talking, <laughs> what are you talking about? And um, he came up to me afterwards and I was like, Oh my gosh, like that is so awesome to see you and see you're doing well. So it's so funny, like how that still kind of is a part of my life after all this. Time. And this sounds like a goofy question, but, Tell people what TEDx is. Oh, yeah. That was, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So it's similar to, you know, the TED Talks that you see where people are, you know, communicating on topics. And TEDx is kind of the ability for local regions and areas to do their own version of that, um, where they invite, you know, local or regional speakers to come and share their stories and share how they relate um, to the work they're doing now. And so our talk, and I say our, I'm a very big we and us person. Yeah, right. <laughs> you haven't noticed. Um, but as long as it's not as your psychology major, as long as it doesn't mean anything else. <laughs> no, but. it doesn't mean anything else. I'm not <laughs> okay. analyzing anything. But um, uh, but yeah, our talk really focused on our journey. You know, it has a hundred K ideas. So we started off, you know, as the new kid on the block that was you know, a lot of fanfare, a lot of, you know, news and press about it because the building was opening and it was this great partnership among all of these stakeholders to get this done. And then, you know, as we started listening to what the community was saying, because my job initially was, you know, just over projects and, you know, helping clients move forward. But eventually it moved because I had that skill set in community to going out into the community, talking about what we do, sitting on panels, talking to residents, interacting and um, how I started to realize actually, you know, Flint, 
itself doesn't know us as well as it should by this point. So how do we focus our energy and, you know, our efforts to ensure that we are closing those gaps so the people, you know, we are designed to serve don't feel left out. So um, that was such a great, and everybody had such amazing stories and that they talked about and things that inspired them or how they got where they were. Um, So, you know, you just go out there and you hope you do great. (laughs) And, And, you know, you just, you just have a good time. So it was such a great experience that I was so proud to be able to do that. You're listening to The Michigan Opportunity, featuring candid conversations with Michigan business leaders on what makes Michigan a leading state to live, work, and play. Listen to more episodes at michiganbusiness.org forward slash podcast. Why don't you walk me through a good example of like those steps you'd mentioned earlier. Can you give me like a real world example of someone you guys worked with? Yeah. So there's a couple I can actually talk about, but the one of my um, favorites that I like to talk about is actually Peter Deppie. So um, one thing that I forgot to mention in our overview about 100K Ideas is we actually employ current college students to do the work of, you know, being a project manager and having a set of clients that they work with um, to be our graphic designers, our engineers, um, you know, those type of roles. So they're getting real world experience to complement that classroom experience um, that we're able to offer. Again, something I wish I had. It's an undergrad. Um, So the way our process works, and um, Peter's a little unique because he actually worked for us as an electrical engineer from Kettering University. So he got an exposure. Even I remember in his interview, he was very adamant that he didn't want to go into industry. He wanted to start his own business. And he looked at it as as a place that he could do both. You know, he could start his own business. He could learn industry. He could learn, you know, what his next step is and get that exposure. And so how it starts really is, you know, a free meeting. We tell people, hey, you know, you can call us, you can, you know, go on our website, set up a meeting. And from there, in that meeting, we just listen to people talk. Now, Peter's a little different because obviously he's used like our system and kind of skips some steps because he knows how the system works. But um, for anybody else coming in, we just listen. We just say, hey, tell us about your idea, what you're trying to do. Um, And then we have some questions that kind of guide the conversation to make sure we have an understanding of the skills that, you know, they have themselves. So if somebody can code, that's a great skill set that we want to make sure we know you can do. Um, Or, you know, you're doing something, you're like, actually, I don't know how to do X, Y, Z. I'll need help there. So we can kind of get a full picture because we've realized the idea is only as viable while it's great, the entrepreneur, the innovator itself also has to be able to move it forward and, you know, to help it be successful. So how do we combine those two components where it's not just an idea, but it's also the full package? And so um, from that initial meeting, if people choose to move forward, um, which is usually after a Google search, <laughs> we, we with them right there, we Google and see what else is in the market. Um, we determine, you know, how do we want to move forward from there? So some people, we find it right away. They're like, okay, great. I know what I need to know. Um, I'm done with this. Thank you for your time. I'll come back with my next idea, which is what we want. You know, um, for those that it, you know, we kind of find it or we don't find it. They do want to move forward. We have an assessment, um, a research assessment that we put together, and from that assessment, we fill it with who their competitors are in the sense of who's solving the same problem. So we're really big on problem and solution and making sure we're orienting the research towards that. And then we also look at market analytics. Um, You know, are people asking for this? Um, A high level financial overview, we pack it with additional research. So not just the things that, you know, they told us, but 
whatever we use to kind of base our findings on, we try to make sure they have access to those documents as well. And then we end with next steps. So we really focus on two to three things they can do right now to move it forward, because we know sometimes that long list of 2025 can be overwhelming. So how do we streamline that? And so we focus on two to three things that we can help with, or maybe we can't, but we know somebody who can. And that's our biggest thing. You know, if it's not within our wheelhouse, that's totally fine. But we have really spent the last several years, you know, building our network of resources to ensure people have connections to keep it moving forward and it doesn't stop with us. So for those that we can help, that's where our designers, our graphic designers, industrial designers, our engineers come into play. Um, They help you know, create concept sketches and CAD design and prototype, um, logo design, website development. So the gamut of what could potentially be needed. And that's how they develop. So Peter um, streamlined a little bit of his assessment (laughs) research because he knew the process. Um, But he, you know, used that space and the understanding of how next steps work to build this um, charging, mobility charging infrastructure um, created called Commute. And um, so they it's weird to see, you know, the transformation of that. And basically commute is a charging infrastructure for scooters, e-bikes, e-skateboards, which I think is very dangerous. Um, but <laughs> um, e-bikes, any type of e-thing. But um, the goal behind it is kind of, I mean, I, I'm from Lansing. And when the Lime and Bird scooters descended on the city, it was a lot. <laughs> so his, you know, infrastructure helps organize that a bit. You know, you can plug it in there and there's like a whole thing. Um, so he built that. He started with, you know, his CAD and his, you know, using his engineering background and his partner being able to code. And they created this prototype. And then next thing you know, he piloted, you know, the process in downtown Flint um, by having his charging hubs up and scooters available for people to use for him to get a sense of what this works like, any kinks they might need to work out. And then next thing you know, he's kind of, you know, this own business now, which is crazy. He's, you know, in a warehouse space doing amazingly well. He set up shop in Flint, Michigan, which is also something that is beautiful and we love to see. Um, And actually, I believe he was just awarded Garant through MEDC. Um, So that was, you know, also again around mobility and, you know, what he's solving in that, in that particular world. So um, that's just one example, but the projects range across the board. (laughs) Nothing's ever the same. Just give us a quick sample of like, just just like the generic examples of what you think uh, might be something people would be surprised by or just regular sort of average things. Yeah. So, I mean, it ranges from clothing lines to solutions for laundry to, um, you know, obviously you have apps that solve specific problems that, you know, someone may have experienced themselves to um, things regarding cars and automotive and how to improve that structure. Um, so they, they, they range, which is why that circle of friends we've developed is so important um, because it really does help us, you know, where we can do the general research, right? We, we are equipped to do that. Um, but when it does come to being more specialized and needing that support, we have someone we, you know, in each kind of industry, we try to lean on to provide that expertise. And they've been very gracious with their time. Um, to allow us to do that. So it's sort of like, I think we said this in the pre-call, but necessity is the mother of inventions, right? And I need a, I need a laundry solution too. Mm-hmm. I don't know who they are, but uh, <laughs> I have my own. Um, the, uh, the, you know, I, I think also though, it's kind of weird, but the way you describe it, it sounds almost like a YouTube, like, you know, you have all these fix it YouTube yes. things. Like I got to figure out how to reprogram my phone or I got to do this, I got to do that. Yeah. And people are just sort of figuring out Oh, not only that, I could probably make money at figuring out. Yeah, how to do that. yeah. Because I mean, if you're having the issue, there chances are others are as well, right? And there's a market out there. I mean, 
one of our models is we never say good idea, bad idea, even though people want us to so bad, <laughs> but we yeah. do because we don't know. I mean, if you see as seen on TV commercials, you know, there's things that are created that you're just like, what the heck? But then they sell crazy amounts. Snuggy, for yeah. Snuggy, for example. <laughs> you know, so it's just, you, you never know what will catch, you know, somebody's, somebody's, you know, interest in wanting to purchase. So we, we stick to the research, we stick to being objective and, you know, they make the choice on whether to move forward or not. And that's on their, that's on their end. Well, you're going to be surprised, but we're down to the last couple of questions. Oh, wow. That went so So, fast. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so you've kind of touched on this already a few different places, but what are some of the other like future challenges you think are going to have or disruptors especially with all the technology that's involved with what you guys do too. Yeah. Yeah. I think what's interesting is um, a lot of it isn't even so much technology and Flynn, I think is incredibly unique in disrespect of, you know, the historical and the talent that we have there, you know, apps are one of the smaller categories of things that we see come through our doors. And I think services are going to make a huge kind of burst onto the scene just because that's something not to say, you know, starting a business is that easy, but, you know, your overhead is low. It's really just you. It's you getting out there, putting yourself out there, showing your skill set and selling that to someone. Um, so I think you're going to see a real huge burst of like services and anything that allows you to be mobile. So like those food trucks, you know, that we're seeing pop up where, you know, hey, I don't want a restaurant. I don't want to invest in that brick and mortar, but, you know, I do still want to do this and, you know, serve people. So here's a way to do it. And so I think you'll see a lot more of those types of ideas that allow people to work remotely or, you know, when they would like to, or, you know, within their own leisure, you'll see a lot of that starting to pop up over the next couple of years. Yeah. I would imagine too, with, uh, after going through the pandemic, that, you just saw a huge spike in people doing like handy kind of yeah. work right around houses and like you can't even reach anybody now to do it. So there's a huge <laughs> demand for people that can just do oh, things yeah. that I know I can't do. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I just think you're right. It's necessity once again, fill in that. So I'm going to ask you, uh, this is more of a personal question, but um, what advice would you maybe give to anyone going into careers beyond what you do for your job. But like you said, going back and talking to high school kids, you probably have a direct influence. So what would you kind of either give yourself or kids today for career days? Yeah. So really it's just, you know, don't doubt yourself, you know, trust your instincts. I'm, I'm a big person, you know, when it feels right, it means it makes sense. And sometimes it might be scary, you know, like what feels right can be scary. Like those are definitely <laughs> can go hand in hand. Um, but trust yourself. I mean, opportunities, you know, arise. And sometimes it does make sense to go after them. And sometimes you are the fit um, and you can't be scared or think, you know, hey, I'm not qualified or, hey, I don't think, you know, I'm the right fit for this. You kind of just have to put yourself out there because again, every, you'd be surprised what conversations open what doors. So, you know, maybe you do interview for a job or a position or an internship that, you know, you really wanted, but maybe you didn't get that exact one, that connection you made with that person that matters and that is long-term. And so you want to make, you'd be surprised what comes from those connections that you're making. Um, and then the other thing that I always like to let people know um, is just also be prepared for the opportunity, right? So, you know, you can have it, you know, happen, but if you're not prepared, you know, if you can't give, you know, kind of a quick spiel about yourself to someone and hold their attention um, for a little bit, because sometimes you only have two minutes with someone, <laughs> you know, you, you want to get used to that and getting comfortable um, in that space. So those are my two pieces of advice I would definitely pass on. It's like the old Michael Jordan quote, yeah. don't go where you, the ball is, but you should go where you think it's going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's so, and again, like 
I'm in that weird space where, you know, things were developing as I was, you know, graduating, but weren't used as much as they are now. So like LinkedIn is a crazy tool, like that was kind of just coming around when I was in college, but not really. So I'm like, you get the level of access you have to people these days is, is unbelievable. You know, before you had to get a meeting, you had to know somebody to know somebody to even get a conversation or you happen to be at an event that they were at, like you had to kind of, not that you don't work hard now, but it's a little different. So I think, you know, use those, use those tools to your advantage. Yeah. I, I, um, your last question is pretty easy, but, uh, you've lived in Michigan your whole life, I think. So what would you, uh, what do you consider to be one of your favorite festivals or events you go to every year? Uh, I don't know. There's so many. Um, I, I love going. So here's the thing. I'm not a nature person. So I'm very, very clear that I do not, (laughs) I'm not going to spend a lot of time outside, but going to Traverse City um, in the spring is probably one of my favorite things just because it's so beautiful. The trees are turning, actually it's spring and fall because they have like, it's the transition seasons um, and in that area. And so those are like my favorite. And even though it's in the same state, it feels like a world away um, and you can kind of get away from things and relax. And, um, and do it. so that's one of my favorite, favorite things to do. Um, and then locally, you know, being in Flint, you know, August is full of everything from, you know, you got the Crim race, you have back to the bricks, um, you have art walk that happens, you know, every weekend in the summer. You also have, you know, alley fest. That's a huge thing that takes over the alleys in downtown Flint. So there's so much to do in the summer. Like I can't pick just one. It's just great to see energy and see people out. So I'm excited to see that in the summer. <laughs> right. And what's that great museum up there at Sloan? Oh yeah. Sloan. Oh my gosh. It just got a renovation. So that is there's giving people sneak peeks. I'm trying to like work my way in there so I can get one too, but um, they completely have revented, um, renovated the, you know, building from top to bottom. Actually one of our board members um, works at Sloan. So I got to talk to Kathy, see if I can't sneak in there, but um, it is beautiful. I've, you know, heard nothing but amazing things. So I can't wait till it opens. That's such an incredible update. Well, I just wanted to say you've been very good. You <laughs> passed the test. you You really did a nice job today. But once again, our guest is Brandy Cook-Brown. She is the executive director for 100K Ideas. Ideas. And uh, thanks again for being on the show today, Brandy. Thanks for having me, Ed. I really appreciate it. Join us next week where our guest will be Mike Pisker. He's the program manager for the Great Lakes St. Lawrence Governors and Premiers and learn how the Great Lakes are important to all of us and for economic development. The Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org forward slash radio to put your plans in motion.